Our loving Father in heaven, uh, we come to you through Jesus, uh, the one who is uh, the Prince of Peace. And we thank you for uh, the peace uh, that Jesus came to establish between us and yourself. Uh, we recognize uh, the need uh, that we have as people uh, for true and lasting peace. Now, we thank you for the good news, for the hope uh, of forgiveness that we find in the Lord Jesus. As we look around our world today, uh, we remember with thankfulness uh, the peace that we enjoy, uh, the peace that was secured for us uh, by the bravery and the courage and the self-sacrifice uh, of so many uh, in previous generations. Uh, we thank you uh, for what they uh, paid such a high price for. And we remember them uh, with gratitude. Lord, we pray for our service men and women uh, engaged in different ways around the world today, uh, for those who are still risking their lives in order to keep peace or to establish peace. Uh, we thank you for uh, those who have been involved in uh, supporting uh, the NHS during this pandemic. Uh, Lord, we uh, thank you uh, for those who uh, give of themselves for the sake of others. Lord, we also remember uh, the work of uh, army chaplains. Uh, we remember in particular uh, Colin McLeod in Leith, and we thank you for uh, his work uh, that continues. Lord, we pray that uh, the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, would uh, bring uh, light and hope uh, to many of our service men and women. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to remember. And Lord, we pray uh, that peace would be something that you would continue to give to us, uh, that we would see peace break out among the nations as men and women and boys and girls uh, would turn uh, to trust in the God of peace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please have a seat. Uh, so welcome uh, to church uh, this morning. Uh, welcome, uh, if you've been before, welcome if you're uh, new. Uh, it's good to be able to gather together. Um, just a, a quick reminder uh, of what's happening uh, through this week. So we have our online service uh, again at 5.30. Uh, our beatitude tonight actually is blessed are the peacemakers, uh, for they'll be called sons of God. Um, and then on Monday we have prayer at 8. Uh, we have our community groups meeting on Wednesdays. Uh, and then next Saturday at 7.30, we have the Tear Fund Big Quiz. Uh, so chance to enjoy uh, some fun together uh, for a good cause. Uh, check your email, check uh, social media for information about that one. Now, as we uh, gather together, it's good to be able to welcome uh, folks joining us online as well. Uh, we pray that together we know uh, God's presence and help. Uh, as we begin to worship, let me read from Psalm 95, uh, our call to worship as we remember who our God is. So in Psalm 95 at verse 6, uh, we read, Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the flock under His care. 
Uh, so we are going to now uh, sing for us here. We'll sing in our hearts. For folks at home, uh, you can sing out loud the hymn, How Firm a Foundation. Let's stand together and let's call on God in prayer. Lord, we thank you once again for gathering us together to recognize you as our maker, the sustainer of this universe and the sustainer of our lives, and also to worship you as the good shepherd uh, the one who promises to lead and guide and feed and protect your people, uh, your church. We thank you for the love uh, that you have for us. Lord, we thank you that we've uh, sung of Jesus, uh, the strong foundation of our faith. And Lord, we do pray that our lives would be built on him, uh, that whether in joy or sorrow, uh, we would know uh, the hope of Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, uh, the hope of glory uh, in our hearts uh, to give us strength to endure and to persevere. Uh, Lord, we thank you for Jesus, our great high priest. Uh, we thank you for the sacrifice uh, that he uh, made on the cross when he gave himself 
as the atoning sacrifice for our sin. We thank you that Jesus continues as our high priest in heaven, that he is always living to intercede, to pray for us, to plead the cause of your people on the basis of what he has done for us there at the cross on Calvary. We thank you that Jesus is the true temple, that he is the meeting place between us and God. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us in the Lord Jesus. We pray that as we consider again his words, his prayer for us as the church today, uh, that we would have joy as we consider him, that we might worship him. Lord, we pray uh, for our church today. We want to give you thanks for being able to welcome a new member uh, in David Mays. Uh, we thank you for uh, the way he has uh, connected with us. Thank you that he was uh, helping do the tech this morning. Uh, thank you for his uh, commitment to us as a church, and we pray that he would be encouraged and that we would encourage and love uh, him uh, we pray for others who are new to the city as well, uh, who are looking to find uh, a spiritual home to belong to, uh, those who are looking to find uh, answers, uh, who are uh, checking out Christianity. We thank you that we've been able to welcome people despite restrictions. Lord, we do pray uh, for people to find uh, a spiritual uh, home while in Edinburgh. We recognize that you call us uh, together uh, to live out our faith. Uh, we've all felt the challenges of isolation, and so we pray uh, for unity uh, and for a sense of community and fellowship here in this church. Lord, we thank you again uh, for our junior church being back. We pray for the children who are here today uh, and for those who are at home. We pray for every uh, family connected with us. Lord, we pray that for each one of them, they would have a living and a personal faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, that you'd help us to pray for them and for their parents. Uh, for those of us who are parents, we pray that you would give us wisdom uh, to know how to lead and guide uh, our children uh, through the challenges that they face. Uh, we ask that uh, you would give to our parents uh, wisdom uh, to lead them in the truth. And we pray too for our uh, young people. Uh, we ask for them. We thank you for uh, Edge as it met again on Friday. Uh, we pray that for all our teens, uh, they would have the joy of uh, knowing Jesus as Lord and that uh, you would sustain them uh, through uh, life in high school, uh, sometimes with the isolation that comes from being a Christian at school. Uh, Lord, that you'd be looking after them and you'd help us uh, to pray for and to look after them too. Lord, we pray for uh, the church in this country. We think of uh, the church in England as they've uh, gone back into lockdown. We pray that you would sustain them through the, uh, the disappointment that comes with that. We remember London City uh, as our free church down there. We pray for, for Andy and for Harrison and others uh, that you would continue to strengthen your people um, as they are now back to being online. Lord, thank you that you uh, are in control uh, that you know what you're doing. And we ask that your people would trust in you, that we would trust in you. 
And we pray for the church up here in Scotland. We think in particular of the the challenges in many of our rural communities uh, where the church is uh, small, uh, where there is the challenge of depopulation, uh, where uh, there are many causes for discouragement. But we pray that you would build up your church in cities and towns and villages around Scotland, that the name of Jesus uh, would be glorified. And we don't just pray that for ourselves, we pray that for our world. Uh, Lord, as the eyes of the world uh, turned to uh, America this week, as we watched the, uh, the election, as it continues to unfold, we pray uh, for peace uh, for uh, America. Uh, we recognize the, the divisions uh, that are evident. And Lord, we pray uh, that uh, you would show mercy on that land. Uh, We pray uh, for wisdom and humility uh, for um, the new president. Uh, We ask that uh, he would be uh, willing to be guided by you. Uh, Lord, we pray uh, for America. We pray for all the nations of the earth that we would have uh, presidents and prime ministers and politicians of uh, godly character uh, who would enact Uh, laws that would uh, be in line with your word. Lord, we ask that you'd help us to pray for our our leaders, uh, to seek to honor them. Lord, we also uh, want to pray uh, for the work of the gospel around the world. As we meet here in peace and safety, and as we have the privilege of a building to meet in, we pray for persecuted brothers and sisters all around the world who have never had that privilege, have never had the opportunity to gather together because of the fear of persecution. Lord, we ask that you would sustain our brothers and sisters in those circumstances. Give them the hope of the Lord Jesus in their hearts. Enable them to witness even to their enemies, to your great love, that we might see the gospel transforming communities and Uh, societies and nations uh, so that you would be glorified. And we thank you that we have the Bible to read. And again, we pray for the work of uh, Bible translators. We pray for those who take great risks to get copies of the Bible into the hands of uh, believers in persecuted countries. We thank you that it is the word of truth and the word of life. And we pray that we would receive it as such now, And all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please have a seat. Now I'm going to ask Keith to come and read for us. Our reading today is from uh, John 17. Thanks, Keith. John 17. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had before you, uh, with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world, They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. 
For I gave them the words that you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I, while I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the scripture would be fulfilled. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I, am still, while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy with them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the, of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given to me to be with me, where I am, and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, through the, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Let's pray together. Lord, as we prepare to hear the preaching of your word today, we pray that you fill us with your spirit of grace. God, we ask that you deliver us from cold hearts and wandering thoughts. God, we ask that you kindle our passion for your word. And we ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you, Keith. Uh, so we're going to be in uh, chapter 17 of John's Gospel, looking at uh, verses 20 to 26, as we continue to think about the heart of Jesus uh, before uh, he goes to the cross. Uh, here we find him praying uh, for the church uh, just before his arrest. Uh, I want to begin by, by thinking about what it means to be a, a big-hearted person. Uh, we hear that phrase and certain ideas come to our minds. Uh, somebody who is open and warm, somebody who makes us feel valued, who gives us time, uh, where we feel refreshed uh, to be in their presence and company. That kind of person is a real gift today, I think. As sort of uh, COVID has uh, gone on, perhaps uh, we've all recognized in different ways that the tendency uh, to, to turn inwards, at least sometimes, 
because we have so many uh, burdens and pressures and responsibilities, we're figuring stuff out, it can be hard to have any capacity to care for others. So the big-hearted person that makes time and moves towards others is a real gift uh, that we need today. Well, as we come to John 17, let me suggest that Jesus is the big-hearted Savior uh, that you and I need. He has told us on numerous occasions that he is troubled facing the cross, and yet what we find him doing in, in chapters 13 to 17 is bringing to the disciples the comfort of his truth. And now here in chapter 7, not only does he pray for the disciples then, he also prays for his church through time and space. Maybe to help us as we think about this section, imagine going home today and opening a drawer and at the back of that drawer finding a letter, an old letter from someone dear to us, a letter that would remind us of their love for us, uh, that would speak of their desires for us. Now, how would we feel if we found that kind of letter? I imagine, depending who wrote it, we might find tears coming to our eyes. We might find our hearts warmed and a smile come to our faces. Let me encourage you uh, to read verses 20 to 26 in that way. In this prayer of Jesus that crosses time and space, we are being invited to see Jesus' heart for his church and for this church and for everyone who believes. And we're also being encouraged to see what Jesus desires for us as the church. So I have two things to think about uh, with us. First of all, uh, to think about the question, who does Jesus pray for? And we find the answer to that in verse 20. Read with me there in verse 20, where Jesus says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Uh, so Keith read for us the whole of chapter 17, a prayer of Jesus where he prays for himself uh, that he'd be glorified and the Father would, would receive glory through the cross. He prayed for his disciples that they'd be protected and sanctified. And now Jesus turns to pray for all who will believe in him through the message of the disciples, through the gospel that we find in our New Testament. He prays for those who would believe. Now, in John's gospel, believing is a really crucial theme. And to help us to see that, I'm going to go to the beginning and to the end. So uh, you can turn with me if you want to John chapter 1. I want to read uh, some verses there in, in the introduction. And first of all, verse 1 itself. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So right from the beginning, here is John saying Jesus is uh, the complete revelation of God. You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. Then in verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So here is Jesus, the glorious Son of God. And then also in the introduction, 
And this is John 1, verse 12. John says, having acknowledged that many people did not receive Jesus, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, there's our word, he gave the right to become children of God. So believing in Jesus, it brings us into the family of God. So there's believing right at the beginning. Then we turn to John chapter 20. And in John chapter 20, he gives us a summary. Here's the purpose behind his gospel. John chapter 20 at verse 30. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe, there's our word, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So, so John wants us to know Jesus is Messiah. He is the, the promised Savior from God. He is the Son of God, and he gives life. He gives eternal life to all who will believe. So believing is crucial. And now Jesus here turns to pray for all who will believe. Now, maybe we've heard the image or the illustration about prayer, that prayer is like an arrow. We can offer arrow prayers up to God. Well, Jesus' prayer is like an arrow in the sense that it hits the target. So we need to understand that when Jesus prays for all who will believe, we can have confidence that his prayer is going to be heard and answered. But to be included in that prayer, therefore, we need to be people who believe. We need to be people who have faith in Jesus. We need to turn from sin and turn towards Jesus as Lord and Savior. We need to believe that he is the Son of God who came to live the perfect life that you and I could never live. We need to believe that we are sinners and that left to ourselves, we could never have peace with God, but Jesus came and died as a perfect sacrifice to bring us peace with our God. And we need to believe that Jesus rose again the third day and has returned to the glory of heaven and that where he has gone, we will follow if we have faith in him. And then if we do believe in Jesus, it's an invitation to take heart, simply to remember that Jesus, before going to the cross, prayed for us. And then to remember that Jesus today is still praying for us. So the question is, what does he pray? What is his desire for his people? And that's where we're going to turn for the rest of our time. Obviously, there's so much we could say in this wonderfully rich prayer of Jesus, but I just want to focus our thoughts on three uh, words, three ideas, the first of which is unity. Jesus prays for unity. At the heart of so much sadness in the world, and I think we can see this today, is separation and disunity. The nature of sin is to divide people from one another and people from a, a holy God. So part of the good news of the coming of Jesus is that he has come to reconcile and to make peace and to bring unity. But what kind of unity? There's three aspects that are revealed here. First of all, Jesus prays that we'd have unity with the Trinity. Verse 21, Jesus prays that all of them, all those who believe, may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. 
Jesus comes as the Son of God and as the head of the church. And Jesus, as the Son of God, is eternally united to the Father. The church is his body. Therefore, united to Jesus, we are brought into God's perfect, eternal love. Jesus prays that we would know that. So there's unity with God. But there's also in this prayer a desire from Jesus that we'd have unity as believers. So unity with other believers. Look at verse 22. I have given them, those who believe, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. So Jesus says, I have given them the glory that you gave me. What's this glory? It's the glory of Jesus as our Redeemer. Jesus is revealed as the only Savior for sinners. And so we are bound together as Christians by receiving Jesus as Savior. What holds us together is the fact that we are saved by God's grace. We are bound together by the glory of the redemption that Jesus has secured for us at the cross. And that's always to be the center of true church unity, not sharing a certain culture or a tradition. It's the good news that Jesus has saved us by the grace of God. So we are united with the Trinity. We are united with other believers. And there's a purpose included in this prayer. We are united for the sake of the world. We're united for mission. Again, the end of verse 21. May they also be in us. So there's the idea of unity with the Trinity, purpose, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And then again, at the end of verse 23, as the church is in complete unity, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So our unity has a mission purpose to bear witness to the self-giving love of God in sending Jesus. Our unity is proof of the Father's love for the world. Our unity is intended to make the incredible message of the gospel seem credible to a watching world. So our unity is not optional. Our unity is essential um, and it actually serves to extend the kingdom of God. We can say that the church has a new center of gravity. What is it that pulls us? It's heaven and not earth. It's Jesus and not ourselves. We are drawn in by the Savior's love and we are drawn together by that same love. And as that happens, we are showing to a skeptical, hostile, sometimes apathetic world what the love of God looks like in and through us. Some prayer, isn't it? Before we move on from this theme of unity, a warning and an encouragement. A, a warning because uh, this week I read a, an open letter uh, from a, a pastor in the States with over 50 years experience in ministry. And he said in all his years, he felt like 2020 it was the one year in his ministry where he felt the threat of disunity within the church was never greater. 
So looking at the impact of the pandemic, thinking about how increasingly polarized people can be, thinking about issues of, of racism, there is a real threat of disunity. And he wanted to remind the church that, that Satan is the great divider, that he is never happier than when he sees fellowship break down. And so this older pastor called the church to value what Jesus prayed for, to value what Jesus died for. Jesus died that we would all be one in Christ Jesus. So there is a warning that we need to keep hold of so that we would pray together for unity for our church fellowship and for gospel churches in our country and around the world. But there's also an encouragement here as Jesus prays for unity, and it's simply this, don't underestimate the impact of Christian community on the world around us. See, we have something that, that many people are longing for. Lots of people come to Edinburgh and they feel lonely and isolated, and the church is a place of real family. We're brought together from lots of places, different cultures, but we can feel that we belong. And when we do simple things to care for others, stuff that we take for granted like sharing a meal, uh, like uh, making time for uh, another Christian, people find that radical and surprising and attractive. So, so let me encourage you uh, to keep pursuing unity in the small things to ask for that kind of big heart that beyond our own problems, we'd be able to move towards our brothers and sisters in Christ eh, so that Jesus is honored and so that the kingdom might grow. So Jesus prays for unity. He also prays about the subject of glory. Look with me at verse 24. In verse 24, we read this. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. So we take a step back. We're in the middle of a prayer. Who is praying here? It's Jesus. And what, what have we discovered about Jesus? This is the eternal son of God who is praying. He is the perfect revelation of God. He is the chosen savior. He is the one who reveals uh, what love looks like. And what Jesus prays is that we would see and enjoy his glory. This isn't pride. This is what we need more than anything else in the world. Jesus prays uh, that we would see his glory as the eternally loved son. That we would see his glory as our redeemer that we would see that now in part. But Jesus anticipates with longing when we will see his glory fully, when we will be with him, made like him, and seeing him face to face as the first letter of John promises. What we discover about heaven, maybe especially to read the book of Revelation, is that life in heaven has the glory of Jesus at its center. And that's where for the Christian, that's where our true home is. So Jesus is praying that we would have the culture and value of heaven now while we're here on earth. Sam Albury, who's a, a pastor down uh, in England, uh, he talks about 
uh, the Christian life as looking to reduce the culture shock of heaven. So we want to have the values of heaven now, and we do that by deliberately pursuing the glory of Jesus in our everyday life. How do we do that? Well, let me uh, use this uh, illustration to hopefully help. Um, There's an old uh, 15th century church in Venice, uh, and like so many churches in that period, uh, on its ceiling there are uh, lots of uh, wonderful artworks uh, by uh, Tintoretto. Uh, There's some 60 uh, images of Old Testament and New Testament uh, scenes. And when visitors arrive at the church, uh, they are given a large handheld mirror. Why the mirror? It's not so they can see themselves and check uh, their hair. It's so that the glory and the beauty of above would be reflected for them. I mean, for them, they just want to save people from having neck strain. But the idea of the mirror is to reflect the glory of above. What we have in our Bibles is a mirror. And what Jesus prays is that his glory would be reflected to us on every page of our Bibles. That as we read, we would read looking to see the glory of Jesus, our Savior, to see the wonder of God's plan to save sinners by sending his own Son, that we would meditate on that glory in our lives, that it would lead us to worship, it would lead us to obedience in our everyday lives, but we need to keep seeing and enjoying his glory in his word. Jesus prays that we would see his glory And that means we constantly need to be retuning our hearts. That'd be the glory of Jesus, not our glory that we would pursue. That we would make sure he is number one, that we wouldn't elevate other things or other people above Jesus. And he is also our great example in how to pray so that we would find ourselves praying for ourselves and for our church. Let me see your glory now and let me long for more. And that we pray that for each other. That as it were, the glory that we have now would be the appetizer preparing us for the great feast to come in heaven. So Jesus prays about glory. And then we also see that Jesus prays about love and about his presence, and they're both related. Verse 24, again, at the beginning, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. Again, a few weeks ago, we used the the image of Jesus as the bridegroom. And again, we're seeing his heart. Here is Jesus, and he will not rest until his bride is home with him, until his church is with him. That for Jesus, his joy will not be complete until believers are with him forever in glory. That's his great goal, and that's the goal of our salvation, that we would be with Jesus and enjoy him forever. But until that day, there's two wonderful truths in verse 26. Uh, The first is here, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known. Why? In order that the love you have for me may be in them. 
So Jesus wants to pour out love on his church. The same love, the eternal love, the perfect love that Jesus receives as the Son from the Father, he wants to pour on us today. That every day we live as Christians, we live in the overflow of God's perfect, eternal love. But Jesus doesn't stop there. At the end of verse 26, we see he prays that I myself may be in them. Here is that reminder that Jesus comes to his people by his Spirit. This wonderful promise that our loving Savior is always with us. We are never alone. No distance of time or space separates us from him and from his love. Just before going to the cross, Jesus stopped and deliberately prayed for his church. Jesus deliberately prayed for Baclou before he was arrested. Prayed for all who would believe. So it's crucial that we believe the good news about Jesus. And maybe today is the day that we will choose to believe and be included in this prayer. How does this prayer, like that old letter that we found in the back of the cupboard, how does this prayer reveal the heart of Jesus? How does it reveal his desires for us today? Well, clearly he wants us to be united. He wants us to be united to our God, and he wants us to be united with one another for the sake of the world. He wants us to enjoy his glory, that our lives would be centered on him. He wants us to know his love to recognize the truth that he is present with his people today and he has that longing that will be fulfilled that we will be with him eternally. So as we close, let me just call uh, each one of us to value and to pursue what Jesus prayed for, what Jesus died for. That this week we would pray it for ourselves, that we would pray it for our church, more unity to see Jesus' glory and to enjoy his love. Let's pray about that now. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this wonderful reality uh, that you would love us so much that you would make time to pray for us uh, just before uh, going to the cross to suffer and die for us. Thank you that as we pray, now we know, Lord Jesus, that you are at the Father's right hand, and that you are praying for your church still. We thank you for reminding us that you long that we be united, united to our God and united to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Please help us to value that unity, to pursue it, to seek reconciliation. And we pray that our love and our fellowship would serve to draw people towards the Lord Jesus as they see his love in us. We pray that you would give us a desire to see your glory day by day, that we would be people who would live by your word, that you would give us eyes to see uh, the wonder of our salvation, the wonder of our Savior on every page of the Bible. And Lord, we pray to know as reality your love in our lives that we've all come here with different 
backgrounds, and our circumstances are so different. But may we be united in knowing and receiving uh, your eternal and perfect love in our lives. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we close, we're going to uh, hear words from Psalm uh, 16. Again, you can sing at home and we will reflect here. stand together for the benediction, which comes from Revelation chapter 1 at verse 4. Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Amen.